you have your Bibles tonight, Ephesians chapter 6, sort of end up uh, there, and I want to draw your attention to uh, three quick things tonight for the new year. You'll notice, if you would, uh, we're speaking about being prepared to fight the devil. You'll notice he says in verse number 10, Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So my dream for all of you in this room is that you're strong enough this year to consistently do what is right, to consistently be a light to the world. Now notice, uh, he gives very few things here, uh, but you'll notice the last one we ended up on, you'll notice it was in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. Now folks, tonight, everybody in this room has got to have a confidence in the Lord. That's the definition of faith. An assurance of the Lord that he keeps his promises, that he loves you. A faith that he will answer your prayers. It is a confidence in him. You need that. When Satan fires, you'll notice a fiery dart. You'll see here, he says, the only thing that quenches those fiery darts And the darts are uh, arrows or they're missiles, literally, the definition of the word. Um, uh, They didn't have the word missile during their uh, their writing of Scripture, but it was like uh, they would uh, use those machines and and, uh, throw things up on the the wall. Uh, They would shoot arrows and they would put them on fire. And when they would hit something, it would begin to, it it was wrapped with kind of an oil and, and it would begin to burn. You couldn't put it out with water very easily. And so these things would burn down whatever they hit. And he said, look, the old devil will burn your life down unless you have faith in your God that is so strong that it will, it's the only thing that will put out the fire. And you need faith tonight. Every teenager needs faith that the Lord loves you, that he'll answer your prayers, that he'll defend you. Notice, if you would, he says that you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I like this, all of the fiery darts. He said, your faith can quench every dart that they fire. Your God is not real. I know he is. Your God can't do it. He's all powerful. Your God doesn't love you. That's the reason why Job's friends, boy, they really ragged on him. Because if you were, if you were the Christian you say you are, God wouldn't be doing this to you. We all know that the Lord uses difficulties in our lives to make us stronger. It is not true that the Lord never gives difficulty to those he loves because he's trying to grow us. He's trying to let the world see. And in Job's situation, he was trying to prove to one person that Job loved God. And who was that? Specifically mentioned in Scripture. Satan. Satan came to the Lord and said, oh, you blessed him, so he'll, he, he sure he's going to love you, but you take away your blessings, and he'll curse you to your face. Folks, that ought not be the way it is for us tonight. We ought to trust the Lord through thick and thin. Now, I want you to notice very quickly three quick things. Number one, 
17, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, these are uh, things that we put on to go to battle. The breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the gospel, uh, the shield of faith. And remember from two weeks ago, the shield of faith was, uh, the word is for a door. It's not a just small little shield. It was a door like that door that you stand behind it. And that faith quenches every dart that Satan fires at you, uh, every missile that he fires at you. You stand behind the shield of faith. I know my God. Job made a great statement. Chapter 9, I believe it is, verse 17. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, that's faith. Where are we with our faith? So we get the shield of faith, but everybody, every soldier needs this next one, a helmet of salvation. Now, what he's trying to say here is you need to know that you're saved. If you put on that helmet of salvation, your head is protected so that uh, a, a, a bullet fires your way, a, 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 an arrow fires your way, a, 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 a hatchet, you're in a hand-to-hand combat, uh, your head needs to be protected. And he says, in the spiritual life, you need to know that you're saved. It needs to be settled. And so tonight, everybody in this room, you will not win the victory if you don't know that you're saved. It is a fundamental thing in the Christian life. Jesus, uh, through the Scripture writing of uh, uh, John, 1 John five thirteen, these things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I want you to take your Bible and turn me, if you would, to John chapter 5, if you would, please. John chapter 5. I want you to just see a few verses. Uh, John chapter 5, very quickly. Uh, notice with me, if you would, John chapter 5. And notice with me, if you would, in verse number 24. Notice this passage. Verily, verily, or surely, surely, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. It's permanent. You have it right now. And notice, and shall not come into condemnation. You'll never be standing before the judgment. But you'll notice why? But it's passed from death unto life. That's God's promise to everybody in this room. You can know you're on your way to heaven. This helmet of salvation is critical for everybody in this room. Tonight, if there's a doubt in your mind, come talk to me. Let me take a copy of the Scriptures and help you get it settled. There are so many passages in the Scriptures that will help you. Uh, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. You can't reverse a sonship. You can't reverse a birth. And Jesus said you must be born again, physical birth, second time spiritual birth, born into God's family. That can't be reversed. Yeah, but pastor, what if you commit suicide? It can't be reversed. What if you uh, uh, get angry? It can't be reversed. Uh, uh, if, if your children did things that were horrendous, would they stop being your children? The answer is no. Sonship, daughtership is permanent because it's by blood. And that's why Jesus died to give you and I the gift of eternal life. And it is just 
that. It lasts forever. And he says, I want you to know that. Put on the helmet of salvation. Make sure you know it. Notice number two, I want you to see, uh, he says in verse number 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if you'll notice, the sword is the only offensive weapon. It's the only offensive weapon a Christian's got. It's that you know the Word of God so well that you can stand up to questions, to doubts. If you have your Bible, turn me, if you would, to John. John chapter 4. I'm sorry, Matt, uh, take just a second, quickly. John chapter 4, and, and you'll notice um, I said the wrong book. I'm sorry. I believe it's Luke chapter 4. Yes, it is. Luke chapter 4. Notice, if you would, Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. And you'll notice, being tempted, verse 2, 40 days, tempted of the devil. And the, those days he did eat, eat, eat nothing. And you'll notice in verse 3, And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. So he looks at Jesus and he said, Look, let me give you something to do to prove that you're the Son of God. And Jesus, notice in verse 4, every doubt or question or proof is answered by Jesus with the scriptural passage. Verse 4, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. That's why we need to know our Bibles. Thou shalt man, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So he gave Satan a rebuttal by using the Word of God. He took out the sword of the Spirit and cut him. Notice, if you would, verse 5, the devil taketh him up unto a high mountain and showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world. And notice, if you would, in a moment of time, and the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou wilt worship me, all this shall be thine. And Jesus answered it with the Scripture. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Notice, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Folks, that's why you need to know the Word of God. Everybody in this one room, every man, woman, boy, and girl, we need to know the Word of God. So when Satan comes to us and said, uh, uh, he, remember he came to, Adam, to, to Eve, and he said, look, hath God said. All she had to do was say, yes, God said, don't eat of that tree. But she didn't quote God. And so she fell. Notice number three, looking for, I mean, the third thing, verse number nine. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. And notice what he does. He quotes scripture. So Satan knows how to use the word of God too, but he always takes it out of context. Notice what he said. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And you know what? That's a quote from Scripture. But do you think God meant for him to stand upon the pinnacle of the temple and jump off and say, the Lord said he'd protect me? Absolutely he didn't mean that. 
While you're in the will of God, he said, I will send my angels to protect you. You are secure in me. And everybody in this room, you're secure in Christ if you're in the center of his will and Satan cannot get to you unless he asks permission from God and then the Lord is right there with you. There is no temptation taking you but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Jesus never leaves us. And that's what his message is in the passage. He didn't mean that you could climb up on top of the steeple of this church and quote that verse and jump down. That's crazy. That's Satan. He twists Scripture. And you and I have to be wise enough to know that. Now notice what he does in the end in verse number 12. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, it is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then you'll notice I love verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Why? He was all cut up. He had gotten beaten in battle. The Word of God had caused him to say, I've got nothing else to say. And he had to leave the Lord Jesus alone. And he has to leave us alone if you and I use God's Word uh, as the sword of the Spirit. And so, folks, tonight, that's why... On Wednesday night, I'll ask people, hey, how many of you know where this verse is? And I'll quote a verse, or I'll read a verse. How many know where that's found? It's, it's not a game. It's life and death for a Christian. It's for you and I to, to have a, a challenge, a motivation to know, I know that verse. Um, uh, Janet and I, while we were, uh, we were not dating, but while we were on the phone, we talked every night, and we prayed together every night. And so uh, there was one time when she said, look, you know, uh, uh, I heard uh, so-and-so, uh, I don't remember what the co- connection was, but she said, uh, David, where is this found? And she started quoting a verse or reading a verse. Well, now that's a challenge. And so I'm thinking, where's that verse found? Where's that verse found? I was tempted to get my phone and say, oh, no, but I didn't do that. Uh, Lord, help me. And a verse would come to my mind. And she quizzed me. And when it was done with, I said, Lord, wow, thank you for your help. Wow, I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to know that stuff. But you know what? It's not just preachers. It's all of us. It's your only offensive weapon to get Satan away from you, to cause him to leave you alone for a season. Take the Word of God and use it as a sword. That is our joy and privilege. So let's go back, if you would, to Ephesians 6. You'll notice, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Turn to one more verse very quickly, if you would. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. I want you to see this. Hebrews 4 and verse number 12. Now I want you to notice what he says here. Hebrews 4, 12. The Scripture says, For the Word of God is quick, it's alive, it's living, it, 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 is, it, it is accurate uh, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now watch this, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The Word of God pierces our heart. It's designed to pierce the heart of human beings. But if you and I don't know it, if we don't read it and study it, it can't pierce our heart. It can't prick our heart 
to do something different for Christ, to change something for Christ, to encourage us. It can't prick our heart to say, uh, keep up the good work. It can't incite you and motivate you. Notice what else he says, and is a discerner. It is a, and the word is kritikos. It is the word for, it, it is a uh, skilled in judgment. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. As you read God's Word, the Word of God will help you help yourself not to deceive yourself. Anybody ever done that to yourself? I mean, you sort of tricked yourself. You, you said something and you believed it, but it really wasn't true. You have to be careful. And the only thing that you and I can use as the Word of God, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It convicts our heart and guides us. The Holy Spirit uses this book to help everybody in this room fight Satan off and do the right thing. You need to know God's Word to use it. You know, if you're going to use a sword, and they have contests with swords even today. It's called fencing, and they'll, they'll use the sword, they'll learn, and they practice for hours. Christians need to practice with their sword. And lastly, notice this, and we'll close. Notice Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, I want to pause. Praying always with all supplication. Supplication is a, is a prayer of passion. It is when something has moved you to the point where when you get on your knees, you pray, and it may even bring you to tears. It causes your heart to be connected to God on your knees. Praying always. Folks, it is your communication to God. How is it that Christians, we, don't communicate with the Lord every day multiple times? Daniel prayed three times a day. Look, it's not like um, uh, the, the Muslims that have five times during the day they pray. Uh, it, it is rote prayer. It is the same thing all the time. It is not a rosary that you pray. It is not something that you do that's repetitive. It is that there's something in your heart that so burdened you, you must bring it to the Lord on many occasions during the day. And you know what? You pour your heart out. Lord, this is killing me. I need your help. Lord, could, could I talk with you for a minute? And you pour your heart out. You supplicate with the Lord. Christians don't have the confidence in their God to take their burdens to Him hourly. He said praying always. Folks, this is the year for us to become true soldiers of Jesus Christ. And we can't do that without the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the power of prayer in all of our lives. I have a story that I, I was in, in a bookstore. I pulled out a book and I started reading. And I read a 
portion of a book. I just, it just caught my eye. And uh, as I began to read it, I, I began to, uh, to get sort of drawn into the story. There was a missionary. And I, 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 you may remember it, uh, a missionary, but it, it causes me to know the power of our prayers and the importance of our prayers. Uh, there was a missionary in Africa, and uh, he was in town to buy medicine, rode his motorcycle in town. He saw two men fighting in the street, and he went over and spread them apart. One was bloodied, and he got that guy and began to help him, and he began to uh, cover up his wounds. He was sort of a medical missionary, and he covered up his wounds and helped him, and then he rode off. And as he rode off, uh, those two men fighting in the street were thieves and they watched him right off, and there were others. And so they followed him into the jungle, and he would have a two-day trip. He'd spend the night in the jungle, and then he would proceed on to his village and help his people. Every week or two, he would have to travel to get his medicines for his clinic. And so he'd always pause in the jungle, uh, put up a fire, and, and camp out. There was no place else. And he said, I was sleeping that night, and uh, I got up, and uh, uh, he said, you know, I, I got up the next morning, and I went on. Well, back here in the States, his home church, a man got burdened for him, and they were actually on a golf course, he was, and he got together his, some of his friends, and he said, look, I just feel like we've got to pray for our missionary. I've got a burden for him. I don't know what it is, but we need to pray for him. They got together, don't remember how many men got together, and they collected at the church. They stopped playing golf. He went to the church. They got on their knees, and they prayed for him. And then that's the end of the story until the missionary came home. When he came home, he said, you know, I, I want to tell you a story. He went back into town, and he saw the same guy. And as he began to talk to him, he says, you know, he said, I just want you to know we were going to rob you. And he said, and we were going to kill you so you couldn't identify us. But you had, and he mentioned a number of guards around you. He said, I didn't have any guards around me. Oh, yes, you did. He said, all of us saw them and counted them. He said, it's too many for us. And we left you alone. He said, that's not true. He said, it is true. We saw them. And he was telling the story and he says, so strange things happen in Africa. And after the service, a man came up to him and said, you know what? There were, and I forget the number, 10, 12 men, 8 men. We all met. He said, you said 8 men. And I'm just picking a number because I don't remember what it was. 8 men. He said, there were 8 of us that got down and prayed for you that day after the golf course. Praying. Always. If you have a burden for something in your heart, stop and lift it to the Lord. Do you understand, do I understand, the power we have with our Heavenly Father? He said you can move mountains. Are we going to take this year and become soldiers for Jesus Christ? Let's bow our heads for a prayer tonight. I just want to challenge you. I'm just going to have a pianist play a verse of invitation hymn. We're not going to sing. 
Um, I'm just going to uh, ask you to stand, if you would, please. We'll have a word of prayer. And maybe you need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I want this to be the year. i become a real soldier for you. I want to learn to pray. Lord, I, I want to I learn to use God's Word. I, I, I want to read my Bible through this year. I want to have power with God. I want you to come. Lord Jesus, you see our hearts today. Lord Jesus, I want us to be soldiers. Lord, I want to be a soldier for you. I want to know my Bible. Lord, I, I want to use it wisely. Lord, I, I want you to use God's Word to guide my life. Lord, I, I want to have power on my knees. Lord, I want to protect our missionaries on the field. Dear Lord Jesus, would you help the people of Temple Baptist Church tonight to become soldiers this year? In your name we pray. Amen.